Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Always great to have you with us. Thank you for tuning in again this week. We've talked in the last couple shows here about, you know, what we're learning from the new data that's coming out of the first few weeks of the season. We've gone over it with analysts like Dwayne McFarlane and Ben Gretsch, got some great insights from them. Because the more information that we're getting here, the clearer the picture becomes for what we're dealing with this year. And after four weeks, we can start to feel at least a little more confident about what we're seeing and just trying to project it moving forward. And then it's just a matter of where your team's at so far, right? Did you get off to a hot start? If so, great. You're in a position of strength. You know, now you're just trying to keep it rolling and build towards that late season run. If not, if you're one and three, if you're zero and four, we got a little bit of work to do. And that's one of the things I want to talk about today. We're going to look ahead to week five, but we're also going to go over some of the moves that you can make to save your season potentially. Just if things are going off the rails, what can you do about it to get things right over the next month or so? We've got another great guest to help us out with this one. He's become a regular on the show. We've had him on every year the last couple of years here. Eric Moody, now of ESPN. He's on Twitter, at Eric N. Moody. Awesome guy. Great analyst. We're glad he's back with us again here. Eric, welcome back to the show. How's the early part of the season been treating you so far here? Hopefully no 1-3 uh, and three or 0-4 oh teams. <laughs> you, know, you know, I've been dealt a haymaker. It's just like all the other fantasy managers that are out there. But I'll say, first of all, Justin, hey, thanks again for the invite. As always, it's always very nice to be able to catch up with you. Plus provide, you know, advice, you know, to the masses. But, you know, I've, I've dealt with injuries, too, on a lot of my teams. You know, with Jerry Judy going down, uh, you know, David Montgomery. I know that's a recent injury. And so I feel like each week, you know, I get thrown like a haymaker from Mike Tyson. But hey, we get back up and we keep fighting, right? I mean, we, we all deal with that stuff. You know, the I had a, a team that looked like they were going to go continue the undefeated streak here, go to 4-0. and oh, All I needed was, I believe, six points from Mike Williams on Monday night. And Mike Williams came away after having like 20 points in each of the first three weeks. Came away with one catch for 11 yards. So, yeah, we all have those those terrible stories that we're dealing with early in the year here. But that's what I want to talk about. Normally, I would wait until like the middle of the show maybe to talk about the, the main topic for the day. But I want to start with it right out of the gates here because there's a lot of people who are off to these slow starts, either because of injuries like you mentioned, maybe just because the players they drafted aren't working out. It happens, right? Nobody gets everything right in fantasy football. So let's talk about some of the moves that desperate fantasy managers can be making in order to save their seasons. And really, anyone could make these moves, but the focus is on if you absolutely need to do something. Because if your team's rolling right now, you know, maybe you can just sit there and see how it goes the next couple of weeks. But if you're at one and three or zero and four, you kind of have to do something. Unless it's just a situation where you got the most points scored against you, and you know your team's still doing really well, but you've been unlucky in the the points against department. Then maybe you can ride it out, and things will sort themselves out. But I think if you're one and three or zero and four. You're going to want to be aggressive here to try to change things up and get your roster going forward in the right direction. So whether it's, you know, players to target and trades, whether it's waiver wire pickups, uh, whether it's, you know, some form of strategy that you want to go about and employ, we can go back and forth here and we can discuss it. But what's the first move that comes to mind for you when we're talking about uh, someone who's trying to save their season heading into week five? Yeah, the, the first thing that immediately came to mind, Justin, uh, for me was just making trades. Uh, I know the waiver wire, there hasn't been like that difference maker so far for this year that can, you know, totally turn around your season. I know we had hoped that it was Elijah Mitchell, but uh 
you, you know, we kind of saw how that turned out, right? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> kind of seeing what's happened there. So, you know, you have a lot of people using fab, waiver wire priority, and they're like, okay, that did not turn out the way I expected. But I would say for me, it's really all about making strategic trades. And I'll kind of lead into that. I think subconsciously, like roster depth makes kind of fantasy managers feel comfortable, but it doesn't necessarily help like a desperate manager who's trying to win matchups. So I think using some of that depth to upgrade like your starting, you know, lineup via trades is really like a great option. And I'll, I'll put this out there and I, you know, it's obviously players on these teams, you know, that I like and recommend the target. But like, if you look at uh, like Mike Clay's like rest of season NFL strength of schedule, you know, he does this like every week. And I notice a couple of teams that have had, you know, have been highlighted right at the top, you know, to have like the easiest schedule moving forward. You know, the Jaguars, Bills, Titans, and Dolphins. So those are four teams that anyone that's listening, you know, can immediately target pieces from those teams, you know, depending on the positions that they need assistance with to be able to really turn around their season. Yeah, I think those are both great points. I mean, especially if you don't even want to look at the rest of the season, you can even just, you know, take that down to just the next month or so, even the next few weeks, right? If you're just trying to get back to 500 and right the ship a little bit, you can just look at those kind of matchups over the next month or so and and what that can do for you. And I agree with trying to consolidate some of your talent on the bench into a better starting lineup. That's obviously a move that all fantasy managers could be making. That's one that even if your team's strong, you could be doing, but uh, that's one that, you know, I, I think is wise to do as the season moves along here. And as you start getting a little closer to the playoffs, the first one I want to talk about, it's it's also kind of a strategy one here. Mess around with bye weeks. So at this point in the season, I know no teams have had their bye yet. But if you're 1-3, and three, if you're 0-4, you need to string those wins together. You don't want to have to deal with bye weeks over the next month or so, right? So if you want to get yourself back to 500 and build from there, I think you take a look at your roster. You see if you have any players that are going to be on bye and then out of your lineup at some point in the next month here. And if you do have a few, see if you can trade them for players that don't have buys until November or maybe early December. The buys go really late this year. I'm not saying to, to sell low on those guys. I don't think you know, you're know you in a, a point where you have to do that. But try to see if you can get equal value for somebody that has a late season buy. Just to give yourself a little bit of time, right? And then you know, there's eight teams. If you look later in the season, there's eight teams that don't have their buy until December. And there's some pretty good offenses in that group, the Panthers, the Browns, the Packers. So I think if you're trying to buy players from those teams while selling off some of the guys that have bye weeks in the next month or so, I think that could help you out. And then if that works and you do get a few wins, then in a month or so, you do the reverse move, right? And you trade the guys with the late season buys for guys who already had their bye weeks. And that way you're constantly fielding a full powered lineup and you're not going to have to deal with players sitting out. And I know it involves a lot of work, maybe more work than some fantasy managers want to put in. You're constantly shuffling your lineup. But you know it also requires that don't mention this to the player that you're the manager that you're negotiating with, right? You don't want to talk about bye weeks at all. I don't think most managers consider that. I think they just look at the names involved in the trade and then they go from there and you can kind of maybe get one over. I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's not really cheating. I think it's just kind of a strategy move that you're pulling off there. And if you can do it, it could give you a big edge here over the next little little part of the season or maybe over the rest of the way if you do kind of both versions of it like I described. So I think that's something to keep in mind. I mean, Eric, you can feel free to comment on that one or just jump into your next move. No, I uh, no, I really like that idea because if you look at, 
you know, week uh, six and week seven, I'm like, you've got some notable offenses that do have bye weeks. Like in week seven, you've got the uh, Chargers, you know, the Cowboys have their bye week, as well as Minnesota. And so I know all those teams are very fantasy relevant. You know, they have a number of pieces that you could uh, end up trading. Um, well, and just... I've done I've done this one before, too, if you want to take it to even yeah. another level where you trade the player that's on by to the team that you play the week that they are on by. That is Ooh. like next level kind of move. That is next level. Love it. <laughs> if someone's not paying attention, then you're weakening their lineup that you're going up against that week. And it's just another little edge you can get. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's one for where they, they kind of realize what happens after they already hit uh, hit submit or, <laughs> or, or accept, I would say, in that scenario with the trade. <laughs> oh, that's great. For oh. sure. All right. What's your second move to make? Yeah, I would say uh, my second move, is it's, it's going along the same lines as uh, the first thing that I mentioned. It's, it's really just like with trades. Uh, I know one receiver that hasn't had the... Um, you know, the, the the game where he's gone like nuclear and has had like a weak winning performance. But I would say Stefan Diggs, like if you look at the the Bills upcoming schedule, I know they're, they're going to be in a shootout, uh, you know, against the Chiefs, you know, this week. They've got the Titans in week six before going into their bye in week seven. But after that, I'm like in week eight, I'm like, you've got matchups against the Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Colts, Saints you know, Patriots, and then week 14, you've got the Buccaneers. And so that could be a stretch of games for where Diggs can put together those vintage performances from last year that he had with Josh Allen and really propel your team, you know, to an easy victory, depending on what else you've built around him. So I know that's one move that I would recommend to make. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a definite time to buy low on Diggs. He's going to get things turned around. Absolutely. I would also say it's a time to invest in the Panthers offense. So over the next month here, Talking earlier about, you know, specific schedules that you can attack. Over the next month, Carolina gets the Eagles, the Vikings, the Giants, and the Falcons. Now, Sam Darnold's the QB5 on the year. He's still available in 51% of fantasy leagues. Even if he's rostered, if he's someone's second quarterback, maybe, you could try to make a low ball offer. Because normally, people are pretty willing to trade that backup quarterback for really anything. Not many people want to hold that second quarterback unless Mm -hmm. it's... Superflex or 2QB League. DJ Moore is going to be tough to pry away from his manager, so you might not be able to get him at this point. But Robbie Anderson, kind of the, the squeaky wheel narrative last week, came out 11 targets in that game. The coaching staff talked about wanting to get him more involved. They did it. Still hasn't scored a touchdown since week one, though, so I think he's a buy low candidate. Should be able to get him pretty cheap. Christian McCaffrey, the injury kind of opened up a small window to maybe get him, maybe trade for him. That might be closed now. He's back at practice today. He's out there in full pads. We'll see, though. He's just testing things out. We'll see if he can ramp back up and actually play in week five. It's not guaranteed yet. And, you know, a lot of people ask me in my trade value chart, I put up the most recent one this morning. A lot of people ask me why I never really knocked McCaffrey, even when the injury happened. I didn't really bump his value down. And my response was just, because he's Christian McCaffrey. Like, no player gives you that advantage. (laughs) If you go trade for him and you lose him for a couple weeks, but you're going to have him for the second half of the year, or ideally you lose him for a week and then he's back this week, you're getting RB1 and wide receiver 2 value kind of baked into one player. So I would pay full price to get him. I'd pay even more than that. If you can get him away from his manager, do it. Make that massive offer. Try to get him. Uh, Deeper down, you could look at stashing, like, Terrace Marshall, you know, in case there's an injury to Moore Anderson or if Marshall's role just grows as a, a rookie as the year goes along here. Just either way, I'm, I want pieces of that Panthers offense, especially over this next month. 
I think that could really help fantasy managers get things right. And I think the Panthers offense, as much as they've been doing well, I think it's just an offense that doesn't have the same kind of cachet right now that, you know, the Chiefs or the Bills, they're not on par with those guys, but they're really producing for fantasy. Yeah, you know, you must be reading my mind, Justin, because when you mentioned uh, the Panthers and Christian McCaffrey, it uh, kind of bleeds into uh, like my next point would be just with prioritizing and trades uh, players, you know, that are currently injured, you know, because their their value could be sunk for sure a little bit. I know I wrote an article uh, trade value column uh, over at ESPN Fantasy uh, covering, you know, players that I really like Christian McCaffrey, you know, was one of them. But I do want to highlight uh, two Titans receivers. You know, you look at A.J. Brown and you look at Julio Jones. They haven't really had that definitive, you know, type of game that you expect from those receivers so far this season. I know they're both coincidentally dealing with uh, soft tissue injuries, you know, hamstrings. But the the bottom line is that, you know, they're going to return to form like sooner rather than later. And then if you look at how the Titans have have played and performed this season, I know everyone's talking about Derrick Henry and for uh, for really good reason. You know, he's a he's a monster. You know, what, 510 rushing yards this season with like 365 coming like after contact. It's like the equivalent <laughs> of trying to tackle like the juggernaut, you know, from the X-Men film franchise. It's just going to be very <laughs> tough to do. But if you look at uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, I really like them as uh, as by low. Uh, receivers, and you look at the Titans' upcoming schedule. Uh, I think that could bode well, you know, for a number of fantasy managers out there that are willing to take the plunge. And I'm going to go with a couple teammates, a couple receiver teammates as well. But these ones are a little further down. I mean, your guys are, you know, kind of got the star power, and we expect them when they come back to for sure be wide receiver twos, maybe even wide receiver ones for fantasy. I'm looking at a pair of Dolphins receivers, Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell. And with Wolf Fuller being put on IR now, we know he's going to be out for at least three weeks with a broken finger. Even with Jacoby Brissett under center, I think Parker and Waddell are set up for a pretty nice run over the next stretch here. The Bucks defense is up next for them. Looks scary in name, but they're a pass funnel. You can't run on them. And they're allowing the most fantasy points to receivers this year. Then the Dolphins get the Jaguars, who are 13th in that category. They get the Falcons, who are giving up the seventh most to receivers. So we could see some surprisingly big games out of these two. Parker right now, 21st in the league in targets on the season. Waddle's not far behind, 26th. It's a deeper pull. I just don't think that people are as excited as they should be about these two right now. And because it's a deeper move, there's a lot less risk attached to it, right? You'd have to pay up to get A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. I still think that's a great move and take advantage of that. And other guys like... We got a report today that Jerry Judy's probably going to be on the the shorter end of his timeline. He could be back after six weeks. A guy like Michael Gallup will be back soon. There's a bunch of injured guys like that. But Parker and Waddle, you can still get them in some leagues just off the waiver wire. I have leagues where Parker is still available. You can just pick him up. And I was looking at who I can drop on my teams actually before we started recording to try to get him on at least one squad. But I think they're looking good as... You guys are in that wide receiver three mix who have a lot of upside. We've seen Devontae Parker put up wide receiver one numbers in fantasy for short stretches before. I think he could do it again here. Yeah, no, that's a that's another good name. Yeah, that was someone that I had on my list too because uh, you just look at the uh, the target opportunity that's there. And then even like in the fourth quarter in their game last week, I know Jacoby Brissett, you know, really uh, started to target Parker more like in the fourth quarter. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and I hope it's not a strategy, but that carries over into the matchup <laughs> for this week. So I like him quite a bit. You, you mentioned another name, too. Again, the calibration continues, sir, is with uh, Michael Gallup. So I really like him quite a bit. I know he was, I would say, touted as a breakout 
candidate this offseason. Uh, his, you know, 2021 was getting off to a decent start, you know, against the Buccaneers back in week one. But then, you know, boom, you know, he has a calf injury and he's out on injured reserve. But you look at the Cowboys offense, it's been very productive. You know, they picked up where they left off with that Dak Prescott, excuse me, last season. So they rank third, like in total yards per game, you know, behind like the Chiefs and the Cardinals. But one thing that's uh, interesting about Gallup, if you go back to last season, I'm like he actually ended last season with the most receiving air yards among Dallas receivers. And he's in a position, even playing alongside CeeDee Lamb and uh, Amari Cooper, to still get a ton of targets. So he could reemerge once he comes back from this injury, ultimately as a wide receiver three with upside, you never knew that you needed. And I'm not looking forward to trying to break down the the target share between everybody in that offense, not just the receivers, but now with Dalton Schultz coming on and at tight end, it's going to be a nightmare trying to project the target shares for those guys. But hopefully those moves, I mean, we just gave you a bunch. Hopefully those can get you moving in the right direction here. And like I said, it's not just for people that are one and three and oh and four. A lot of those moves that we mentioned are things that you can do no matter what your record is, you know, even if your squad's doing well, it's just strategies and moves that I think are are worth considering at this point in the season. But I want to keep moving on here and talking about what we're seeing league wide heading into week five. And I don't want to get into breaking down, you know, grainy Urban Meyer video footage here like it's (laughs) like it's a Zapruder film or something. But the bottom line, he didn't fly back with the team last week. He stayed in Ohio after that Cincinnati game. Ended up going out to a bar, had a, a young lady dancing up on him. His hands got to wandering a little bit. Either way, the team issued a statement. He apologized for the bad decisions. You know, we've also gotten reports, though, that the team maybe doesn't have a lot of respect for him even before any of this happened. And Mm-mm. whether you think Urban Meyer's dumb for doing this, whether you think he's trying to get fired, I mean, a lot of people are throwing out different suggestions, but the Jags haven't looked great with him at the helm. They haven't looked like a team that has great coaching this year. So, Eric, when we're looking at this through the fantasy lens, we know that bad teams can sometimes be tougher to predict as the season goes along. You know, things can kind of get a little more difficult because players might be more willing to go on IR when they have an injury rather than playing through it like they would if they're on a contending team. I want to know what your outlook is for Jacksonville, though. Do you think it's time maybe to jump ship from this offense while there's still some value left here? Or are you riding it out here with guys like James Robinson and LaVisca Cheneau and Marvin Jones because they still have a few fantasy assets in this offense? Are you going to hang around or do you want to try to trade them at this point? Yeah, and I, I really, really felt like this was like an intriguing question because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you put this on, on, you know, for the show for today because I'm, I'm, I'm staying in the, and I'm staying in the boat. I'm not jumping ship, uh, but hopefully I won't go down like the band playing in, in the Titanic. But um, <laughs> they've got a lot of assets that are there, and they've got a very favorable schedule. Uh, regardless of what happens, like Urban Meyer, I, I think the future for this team does look bright. And so you've got Trevor Lawrence, who's, you know, last week, and like he had his best best start, you know, as a pro quarterback, like in my opinion. You know, we saw the connection that he has with Chenault. You know, James Robinson, you know, he he played very well. Um, you know, it's still baffling with going back to Meyer on, you know, if you got James Robinson there, you know, why go get Travis ETM? That's a whole nother conversation. Robinson looked good. Uh I think Chenault with his expanded route tree and just yards after the catch, like ability. I'm like that. He should really have fantasy managers like salivating. I know the the injury news to Shark is unfortunate. Chenault should see a steady dose of targets. Uh, I'll kind of bring all that together, at least with this stat on Chenault, because I'm really high on him. Was high on him coming into the season uh, as optimistic uh, currently. But from weeks one through three, I know he accumulated only 92 receiving air yards. Like in week four, I'm like, he had 95. 
And so I think the future looks bright, you know, for all these fantasy assets. I'm, I'm particularly excited about Lawrence, especially in uh, two quarterback or super flex leagues. I think he can surprise a lot of people. What about other than the Jags? Are there any other offenses that you're you're souring on that you're trying to maybe actively move away from as the season goes along here? Uh, this, you know, this question hurts because as a Saints fan, I'm like, I, I have not, I have not liked uh, what I've seen, but I'm still optimistic, <laughs> you know, once we get Michael <laughs> Thomas back, maybe they're like, Jameis, you know, let, let's, let's go to work, you know, considering the target shares, you know, that, that Thomas has had over the years, but I'll, um, I, I will tell you the uh, Detroit Lions is one that, that comes to mind because everyone knows, hey, the Saints, you know, aren't looking good, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at Detroit, you know, I'll just kind of touch on these points quickly, um, you know, you had, you know, Tyrell Williams coming in, you're thinking, oh, okay, could he be fantasy relevant, you know, with uh, Anthony Lynn, you know, with that reunion, I know they had time with the Chargers where Williams was successful, that obviously hasn't come to fruition, you've got, you know, TJ Hawkinson, that's playing really well, you got DeAndre Swift, those are really the only two players that you can trust in fantasy uh, with the Lions. However, I know everyone's maybe thinking, hey, Jamal Williams, hey, he's played well, you know, he's someone too that you should consider trading away. I know Dan Campbell, you know, with his, uh, you know, caveman mentality, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, he's been adamant, like, all along that, hey, we're going to continue to get Swift more and more involved. And we got a taste of that last week. And so I think currently, like with uh, Williams and uh, Swift, I think they're, what, top 15 uh, PPR backs right now? Justin, I believe. <laughs> Fact check me on that if you need to. I believe to. <laughs> so. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe that's true. Yeah. And so I think it's really a perfect time to move on from Williams in this offense just to see what you can get. But I really, that's really one offense that I've really soured on. Well, and that's another one where injuries could kind of be mounting too, right? I know Hawkinson's out of practice today. Penny Sewell's out of practice. I think Frank Ragnell just got placed on IR. I think their center's going to be out here for a little while. And mm-hmm. One of the strengths of that offense, you know, it's not that they've been great, but the offensive line is, is yeah. pretty good. And if they Solid. start getting some injuries there, that that's going to be a, a problem for them and, you know, moving forward here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one to bring up. Um, we got a piece of news, actually, before we started. We could stay in the, the NFC North. Andy Dalton, so a full go for practice today for the Bears, but, and it is a, a big but, Matt Nagy did the smart thing and he announced Justin Fields as the starting quarterback going forward. So three cheers. I've talked about this on the the show a bunch. I mean, sanity prevailing on this one, right? And it's great Mm -hmm. news for Fields. Also great news for the skill position players in Chicago. We talked about Darnell Mooney on Monday's waiver wire show. Can't wait to see how this offense develops with Fields under center, but also with Bill Lazor now calling plays. He did a much better job in week four, so can give us a little bit of hope there. And that leads me to the 49ers and Trey Lance, Mm because we don't know if Trey Lance is going to get the start this week. Jimmy Garoppolo left last week's game with a calf issue, and Garoppolo said after the game that he hoped it was only going to keep him out a couple of weeks. And then they come back this week, and apparently they're saying it's not as bad as they thought. Now they're saying he might have a shot to play this week. And I don't know if that's gamesmanship, if they're just trying to force the Cardinals to prepare for both possibilities, but... If Lance starts this week against the Cardinals, and right now I'm kind of projecting it that way, I still think that Lance is going to be the one out there and they'll give Jimmy G the week off. But Mm -hmm. I want to know where you would be ranking him. Uh, Whose stock do you think gets impacted the most out of those 49er skill position players if Lance is out there? Yeah, no, I'm I'm a huge uh, Trey Lance guy. You know, excited to see what he uh, brings to the table. Like I currently have him ranked as the uh, QB 14. 
Uh, so high-end QB2, you know, he's in a really good spot against the Cardinals defense. If you look at the Cardinals defense this season, uh, I know they've allowed, you know, 238 passing yards and 21 fantasy points per game, you know, the top quarterback scorers. So the potential for a QB finish is there. I do believe his rushing ability, you know, can propel him and take him to that level. I am concerned about, you know, completion percentage uh, just with him throwing the ball. But I'm like, from a fantasy lens, I'm like, he's going to get enough passing activity and rushing activity to get it done. I would say uh, skill position players who, I guess, having Lance under center hurts. The the first name that came to mind was really Trey Sermon, you know, and the other running backs. You know, who knows? You know, they may bring some running backs uh, off from the street and, and surprise us with getting carries because that's just what <laughs> Kyle Shanahan does, you know, and wreaks havoc on our brains. But I, I would say that uh, was Sermon, though, seriously, because uh, when you've got Lance there with his rushing ability, Especially if you get towards the red zone, I'm like he can easily vulture, you know, touchdowns and rushing attempts uh, from them. So I would say Sermon stock down with this move. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, Sermon also might have to deal with Elijah Mitchell. I think we're gonna have a situation where Sermon's kind of the power back and Mitchell takes over mm-hmm. that Raheem Mostert kind of speed role, and that also kind of lowers both of their ceilings. They could both still produce for fantasy because we know that rushing attack is strong. But yeah, when you have those guys, and then Lance also factored in. Could be a problem fantasy-wise for them, but it's going to be a really big start for him because he gets this one start if he plays, and then they have a bye week. So if he falls on his face out of that bye week, they're going to go back to Garoppolo. If he plays well, then there's probably a good shot that we'll see Lance the rest of the way. And like you, fantasy-wise, I am just so excited and, and very heavily invested, especially in Dynasty, in Trey Lance. So I'm hoping that it is going to be him the rest of the way. Another quarterback situation up in the air, I mean, this one doesn't have the same kind of intrigue that the 49ers one does, mm-hmm. but Teddy Bridgewater trying to get through concussion protocol this week. Drew Locke did not look very good no. in that relief duty last week. It's similar to what I asked about Lance. I'm just curious if Teddy can't go in this one, which Broncos skill position players do you think are going to have their stock impacted the most by Locke starting? Yeah, I would say um, yeah, Tim Patrick. That, that's a name that uh, that quickly entered my, my mind. Uh, I think Sutton will continue to be a, a target monster, you know, from Locke. But I, I believe with the way that Teddy Bridgewater operates, I'm like, his game benefits Tim Patrick more, uh, you know, than we having Drew Locke in there. So I feel like Tim Patrick's going to be kind of the odd man out here. But I do believe like Noah Fant and um, uh, Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton will be fine. Yeah, and it definitely seems like Locke had a, a connection with Sutton in the past and definitely with Fant last year. But I will say, when Locke was playing last year, Tim Patrick did have some pretty strong games. And this is a very pro-Tim Patrick podcast, so mm-hmm. it's breaking my heart a little to hear you talk oh, negatively yeah. about him or about no, his potential. I'm, I'm a fan, but... too. I'm a fan, too. Yeah, I, I love his game, but I just I, I love the, I love how he meshed like, with, with Teddy more. But you know how Drew Locke is, very erratic, right? <laughs> well, and that's what it comes down to. I think Locke's going to have that kind of a Jameis Winston Buccaneers thing where in weeks where they're rolling and where they're throwing a ton he can put up some numbers with everybody but there's also going to be weeks where he just goes completely off the rails and is a turnover machine and kind of sinks the whole offense so fingers crossed Teddy will be back out there and we'll keep moving fantasy wise because that Broncos passing attack has been pretty good this year Um, it wasn't just quarterbacks dominating the headlines this week I mean we've talked a bunch about quarterbacks here for the last stretch uh, running backs, we got a lot of guys that got hurt that are sidelined or potentially going to be sidelined. David Montgomery now out a month or so. Joe Mixon, day-to-day or week-to-week. It depends who you're listening to. He might be able to play this week, maybe not. 
And then Chris Carson missed Tuesday's practice with a neck injury. And that was already after he gave up a bunch of touches to Alex Collins last week. So they're playing Thursday night. Might see an Alex Collins start there. We don't really know what those guys with P. Ryan and, and Collins, but we do know Damian Williams will be out there. There's a chance that P. Ryan and Collins are out there getting starts as well. Assuming all three of those guys start, which one of those backups would you most want to turn to fantasy-wise this week? Yeah, I would say, uh, Justin, from those names, I'm like, you, you got to go with got to go with Damian Williams here. Uh, the Bears, you mentioned earlier, they've got uh, Justin Fields, uh, under center as a starter. Uh, Matt Nagy is, is not driving us crazy this week, you know, with the back and forth. He let us know. So that, that's always a good thing. But you, you look at David Montgomery last week, I'm like, he accounted for 63% of the team's rushing attempts. And so... Obviously, we would expect that trend to continue with Williams, you know, as a starter. And um, I just think back to, you know, the matchup that they have against against the Raiders. I'm like, we all saw what Austin Eckler did to them in prime time. He was truly rocking out, you know, like to imitate his, uh, you know, his touchdown celebration. 145 total yards <laughs> and two touchdowns. And so the Raiders have allowed like the seventh most PPR fancy points per game to running backs this season. So Williams is really in a great position to go boom, and you may get an immediate like return, you know, from Williams because I'm, I'm assuming if he's available in, in uh, your league, he's going to be like the number one waiver wire ad in most leagues. So yeah, he was definitely picked up in in most of the leagues or all the leagues that he was still available in were waivers processed last night that I'm in, and uh, people were paying up big to get him. Fortunately, I had him stashed on a couple teams already, but yeah, I would imagine that uh, people are going to be going crazy for him now that you know that he's going to be mm-hmm. the starter for a stretch here as long as he stays healthy because he did have a, a quad bruise, a quad contusion, I believe is what his injury was last week, but don't think that's going to keep him out of this one. Now, we normally end the show here with players that we think are being overlooked, but now we have the new rapid fire section. So I'm going to flip these moving forward. So before we'll end with the, the rapid fire section, but right now, before that, I want to know which players do you think are being overlooked for week five can be an under the radar guy could be a, a star. That's not getting the love he deserves. Who do you want to shine the spotlight on this week? Yeah. And this will be more of like a, like a deeper league, you know, option, but I, I would say Brandon Bolden. Uh, you know, New England Patriots are running back. Like I know in, in ESPN leagues, like he's only rostered like in 2.7% of leagues. They've got a great matchup against uh, the Texans. Um, and I, I know what, what you may be thinking, you know, Patriots running back, you know, historically makes fantasy managers nauseous. Uh, although I don't think many are showing symptoms like of Damian Harris this season, who's who's been phenomenal. But you look at Bolden, though. He's inherited, you know, James Wright, uh, James Wright, James White's role you know, after playing like 32% of the Patriots offensive snaps uh, against the Bucks, And so even if you go back to 2019, week one of the 2019 season to week two of the 2021 season, White's averaged nine opportunities per game. I think New England seems to be allergic to using like Harris in the passing game. So that really gives Bolden a great opportunity. So I think if you're in a deeper format, he's a solid flex option, uh, you know, against that Texans defense. That has allowed like the 14th most points per game to running backs. Yeah, we weren't sure who was going to take on that role. I know Bolden did it two weeks ago. Last week, we weren't sure. Maybe with the full week of practice, it could be J.J. Taylor, maybe Ramondre Stevenson. But it turned out to be Bolden again. And I think it's just by default. I think it's just Mm -hmm. he's the one that they trust. And yeah, 51 receiving yards last week. If he can give you that, that's a nice little flex play 
for you and maybe gets a little more in a good matchup against the Texans. Normally, I'm the one who's digging deeper on these and the guest goes with the more uh, star talent. But this week, I'm going to go a little higher up my rankings. And I want to talk about Chase Edmonds because I don't think people are giving him enough love. 139 yards from scrimmage last week. At least four receptions in every game, not getting the touchdowns. James Conner's been vulturing those at the goal line. But if that kind of usage continues, touchdowns are going to come for him. And the 49ers have given up the the 10th most fantasy points to running back. So I think Edmonds is a a nice RB2. I think all the guys we mentioned earlier, Damian Williams, of course, but... You know, Alex Collins, Maje Pirine, if they get the nod this week, they'd be in that low-end RB2, high-end RB3 kind of mix. At receiver, I'm still sticking with Robert Woods, and people are probably upset that I'm saying that again here, but he got the garbage time touchdown last week, so he saved his fantasy day. Definitely wasn't a, a bust last week. But Sean McVay came out this week and said that he wants to get Woods more involved. And remember that Robbie Anderson story from last week, mm-hmm. same thing turned into 11 targets for him. So big, big days are going to come for Woods here. That offense is humming. I think they're going to be just fine. I think Woods is going to be just fine. And I might be the last one on that bandwagon, but I'm 100% confident in him. And the other guy I'll mention, Jacoby Myers. And just an insane streak here going where he hasn't found the end zone. Just seems, you know, allergic to scoring touchdowns. But there's no better team to fix that against than the Texans, like we just talked about with the, the Patriots running backs. Mac Jones... He has a great connection here with Myers. I think he's going to find him for his first NFL touchdown this week. It's it's happening. It is definitely going to happen. I'm willing it into existence here. Even without the touchdowns, though, he's seen at least nine targets in three of his four games this season. He's got stat lines the last two weeks of nine for 94, eight for 70. So he's turning into a really nice fantasy receiver in that offense. I think he should be viewed as a wide receiver three moving forward. And I think the touchdowns are going to come. I'm not too worried about that. He might not be a guy that gives you double digit touchdowns, but four or five touchdowns will change his numbers big time. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I'll say a couple of other names, Uh, you know, AJ Green, you know, has played well. Uh, He's apparently found the fountain of youth uh, out there uh, in the desert. So I'm like, he's average, you know, six targets, 62 receiving yards and 11.4 the fantasy points per game, you know, which is solid. Uh, one thing that's interesting, if you look at like his snap counts and snap percentage, um, I'm like, his numbers aren't far off, you know, from a, a snaps lens, like to DeAndre Hopkins so far this season. It seems like Christian Kirk and uh, Rondell Moore are, are kind of fighting it out, you know, for snaps. But I'm like, they're they clearly want to have Green involved. And so I like him quite a bit. You know, Marquez, uh, Marquez Callaway, um, Another guy, you know, I was very high on coming into the season, you know, being like a Saints fan. Uh, he, he's really been a disappointment, but he does have a good matchup going up against uh, the Washington football team. As a team, I'm like, they've allowed like 45.4 points per game to receivers. The only other teams to allow more points are the Titans and the Buccaneers. So he's in a really good spot if uh, Sean Payton truly like unleashes his, uh, unleashes Jameis Winston. Just let him throw. Let him air it out. Don't be afraid of the interceptions. Uh, what is going on with that Washington oh. defense, man? That oh, is one that, that is one of the strangest things this yes. season. One of the ones that I, I felt really confident about and has not worked out that way at all. No, no, it hasn't. Like another name, I won't dive like too deep into the analysis, but I really like him this week is uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, you know, with the Giants going up against the uh, the Cowboys. You know, Daniel Jones playing so well. And if you look at the fantasy points that the Cowboys defense allows to tight ends, I think he's in a really good position to have the best game best game of the 2021 season. 
Okay, let's finish things off with this rapid fire section. So quick answers only on this one. You can give a little context if you want to, but we're definitely not going to dive in as deep as we did on the other topics. Question number one. We have our first London game of the year this week, 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. Waking up with a little football. It's always nice. Who are you taking, the Jets or the Falcons? Going with the Falcons. Which 49ers running back will have the most fantasy points the rest of the season? We talked about Sermon. We talked about Mitchell. Who's it going to be, one of them or someone else? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Trey Sermon here. With Will Fuller out, we talked about Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle. If you had to pick between those two, who's a better fantasy play, Parker or Waddle? I'm going with Devontae Parker. If you had to play a Lions wide receiver in fantasy, not normally something we would advise, but if you had to, which one would you go with? <laughs> Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. Is it uh, Quintez uh, Cephas, right? Quintez Cephas. You got it. I think I would go with Khalif Raymond. He's gotten more volume there, but Cephas probably the better bet to score a touchdown. Uh, which running back would you rather have rest of season? And it's before the year, if you had told me that we were comparing these two, I would have been shocked. But Kareem Hunt. Or Cordero Patterson, who kind of both have pretty big roles as the number two running backs in their offenses. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Hunt. And then last one year as a Saints fan, will Taysom Hill get a start at quarterback before the end of the year? No, he will not. Wow, I am surprised you said that. I actually, I feel the opposite. I feel like at some point we're going to see Jameis have a couple games and all of a sudden they're going to have to give Hill a chance in there. But I like the confidence from you because I still have Jameis on quite a few dynasty teams. So I want to see him get it going here. But that is all for today's show. Go and check out Eric's content at ESPN. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, like we said earlier, at Eric and Moody. Always great having you on, man. Appreciate you doing it. I'm glad you're crushing it over at ESPN now. So well-deserved. Keep it up. Good luck the rest of the season. Can't wait to have you back on. No, sounds good. Yeah, thanks again for the invite and look forward to the next time, my friend. All right. As for me over at the score, my trade value charts went up Wednesday morning. I'll have the next rankings update out on Thursday. We'll be back with the live show at 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Just check out my Twitter account at Justin Boone for more details on that. I'll tweet out the link right before we start on Friday. Can't wait to see what kind of questions you have for me this week. It's always fun. But until then, big thanks again to Eric. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. Said leave on time.